People who run small to medium-sized businesses have a lot of courage. I know many small business owners are struggling. So do some scenario planning. Think about what is the worst case scenario for your business post-COVID and what, are, what is the best case scenario. Welcome to CQ University Commentary, the podcast bringing you our experts to explore and dissect issues that affect you, your family and your community. Subscribe now so you don't miss an episode and join the conversation on CQ University social media. This episode was recorded during the global coronavirus outbreak. As a result, CQ University has dedicated the first season of this podcast to focus on conversations about the issues from COVID-19 that you may not have considered, but are still changing the world we live in today. In following social distancing advice from the government, our interviewers and experts conducted these conversations remotely, so you may experience a lower quality of audio recording. Visit the CQ University website for more information on our response to COVID-19 and advice for students and staff. In Australia, small and family business accounts for 98% of all businesses, from the cafe serving your coffee to the cleaning company at your workplace, it's farmers and shops, it's daycare centres and aged care centres, and so many startups right across the economy. In total, they're contributing 35% of GDP and employ 44% of Australia's total workforce. And since the COVID-19 outbreak, it's these businesses, often with big overheads and tight margins, that have been hit the hardest by the global pandemic. So what can and small business do to get through these unprecedented times. On CQ University Commentary today, we're joined by Dr. Andrew Roberts. He's an academic and researcher in CQ Uni's School of Business and Law, teaching entrepreneurship and innovation to business students and aspiring business owners. Andrew has a couple of decades experience in the finance, technology and professional services industries and is a regular business mentor. In fact, he describes himself as a serial entrepreneur. Thanks, Andrew, for joining CQ University commentary. Oh, pleasure. It's great to have you with us and to get your business expertise because I think it's a question just being asked all over Australia. It's been such a tough few months for so many small businesses and so many have been forced to shut their doors or just seeing their business completely disappear. So can small business and startups survive the crisis? I think they can and many will. Um, uh, I think one of the things we need to recognise is that in many ways, what makes the small business uh, and the startup ecosystem singularly unique a little bit is that the businesses themselves are, aren't necessarily all the same. So for me um, to, I guess, come up with specific solutions for every, that, that goes across every single business um, would be a challenge. However, there are some things that they can do to not only survive the crisis, but I think get to a point where post-COVID they're in the best position to recover. Yeah. So if I can make a couple of suggestions, you know, and I, I say this with a premise that I know the community is hurting. I know many small business owners are struggling financially. They're having issues with their landlords. They're worrying about how they pay the rent and the bills in their own homes because often in the small to medium-sized enterprise market and the startup community, the businesses are owner employees, so they get a double whammy. They've yeah. taken the hit in terms of borrowing money to start their business and they have those debts to repay. And of course, now they're not getting an income. So we've seen streams of, you referred to coffee shops, we've seen coffee shops basically close their doors, we've seen restaurants close down. 
Um, we've seen traditional uh, small and medium-sized businesses and a whole host of whole, whole hosts of fails, grocery stores, and so on, effectively shut their doors. An immediate challenge for those businesses will rightly be on how do I personally financially survive? Um, the problem that um, these business owners have is similar to what large businesses have. However, they don't have access to the sort of intellectual horsepower and capacity that a big corporate has. In other words, they don't have access to strategic planners and, and corporate accountants who can help the business position itself post-COVID. Yep. So what can they do? I think I believe the marketplace for SMEs and startups will survive. The question is, what will it look like and what will the new norm look like? So when it comes to how best to survive COVID-19, let me make a couple of recommendations and suggestions. The first is do a thorough financial review. And I know often this sounds like a passe thing that you know an accountant would typically say to a small business. But sometimes we miss certain things when we're looking at the financial modeling. So do some scenario planning. Think about what is the worst case scenario for your business post-COVID and what, are, what is the best case scenario. And look at how, re, almost like revisit your business model, revisit the way you operate. Consider looking at the processes and the systems that you have for your business and use this time, well, try to use this time to step above the chaos. And, you know, I've got many startups that I've been working with and SMEs who are doing exactly that. They recognize, look, we're socially isolated. There's only so much Netflix we can watch. So now is a good time to start looking at some of the tools that are freely available on the web. Um, to look at rebuilding a business model canvas, identifying are there unrealized customers that we could target and build a recovery strategy for post the coronavirus. The, the next thing is about, you know, keeping your team together. And again, we can take some lessons here from big corporates. You know, uh, we at CQU can easily and readily keep our team together. We have regular Zoom sessions just to check in. Um, you know, even a small business like a cafe can can an owner can kind of have a check in Zoom session or call with their staff just to see how they are and how the well-being is whilst the business is closed down. Now, why is that important? It's important because a lot of you've made a, it, the these business owners have made a lot of invest investment in training these staff. A lot of these staff are knowledgeable about the business. Some of these staff have great ideas for how the business could recover from the coronavirus. So delve into those ideas, leverage from them and use them. And you're gonna to need to keep or hold on to some of those people and to get them back into your business to recover. Otherwise, what's going to happen is you're gonna have this enormous overhead cost, albeit not necessarily financial, in re-interviewing, evaluating CVs and finding and training new people to work in your business. Those first two points, I guess, I liked what you said about the best case scenario because it is it does feel in the economic environment out there a lot of people are really thinking worst case scenario and are feeling very overwhelmed by that um, staying in touch with staff as well that that is a really positive step thinking forwards that you will have those staff down the track and post-COVID. Um, I wonder that positivity are you seeing a bit more positivity come out now that we're seeing some of the federal government interventions that might help small business and where else do you think business owners should get their positivity from well the answer to the first point is yes they are i mean the small business users i'm talking to are certainly feeling a little bit more comfortable now that there's been a fiscal stimulus 
Yeah. Uh, whether that fiscal stimulus is enough for any one particular small business is questionable. And I would encourage them all to go and talk to their accountants because there are two layers of opportunity at the fiscal level. One is the grants that are being awarded and also the, the funding to cover people's salaries. Yeah. Um, the second thing is relates to positivity. You know, when I, I spend a, some, a lot of time tracking what small and medium-sized enterprises are saying, and, you know, yes, there was a lot of doom and gloom at the beginning, but it's almost like people have suddenly, we, we started to accept this new normal of during the COVID situation, and people are more resilient than I think we give them credit for, yeah? I think if I was speaking directly to a small business owner right now, I'd ask them to delve into the courage that they had when they started the business in the first place. To recognize that, you know, it's not easy starting a small business. It's not easy building a startup. It's not easy taking that leap of faith to choose not to have a permanent employee, employee job, but be dependent on the revenue generation from your business. So I think they're more adaptable than they give them credit themselves credit for. And it's about recognizing that courage and being willing to step forward through the crisis. And when I talk about uh, looking at the best case scenario, you know, I think that whole industries will actually be realigned and reorientated. You know, as you know, if, if the virus, or rather, the, not the virus, but the shutdown and lockdown, and the government doesn't like this term, but nevertheless, it looks like that, lasts for six months. The nature of social behaviour and the social social behaviour tells me that we will all get into a pattern of ordering more things online, relying more on deliverer, buying more things to be delivered to being delivered to our homes. And that even although restaurants and cafes and so on and retail fashion outlets in particular may reopen, the the a lot of people will still go still be, I guess, relying on that digital world. So uh, an untapped marketplace for, for SMEs really is the capacity to harness digital trading and digital marketing. Enjoying this episode? Subscribe to Seek University Commentary on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts for more. And remember to rate, review, and share. Now, one thing that I think would be worth chambers of commerce exploring with groups of SMEs is the degree to which we could go back to an old co-op model or collaboration model where we could, for a short space of time, recognize that in order to survive as an industry, coffee shops, restaurants, retail, perhaps adopting some sort of group level buying mentality, either for utilities, either for products, or for the things that we consume, may give us a low cost uh, level on our assets and, and our balance sheets and enable us to recover faster. Um, the other thing that's, that's been of interest and in whether it will become an emerging trend post, um, post-COVID is the degree to which organisations have been willing in this notion of resource sharing. Look at Woolworths taking on people from Cornets who have been laid off. Look at, you know, um, Bunnings doing the same. Yeah. The question then says, look, if we have a pool of people who are that we can't use, can we share them in some way at a margin cost with some of the people who are traditionally our competitors. Sounds like a lot of a lot of reason for both optimism and innovation there that you've covered. What else should businesses be doing at this point while things are possibly a bit slow? Um, well, I was reflecting on this. Now, you know, 
um, I suggested a business model evaluation earlier and looking at what does your business model look like. You know, um, the you, there's a number of ways that people can do that. They can either do it in isolation, you know, I sit with a business model template and do it on their own. Or they could harness the power of crowds. They could go and source and collect data from their Facebook page, their various social media pages. They could reach out and could, as startups often do, um, customers in the co-creation of the business model, saying to them, you know, where, uh, what am I missing in my business model that you would like to see? Well, you know, what changes could we see? Um, and developing a comprehensive recovery plan. Now, big organizations like CQ have started doing that. We, you know, as you know, we've developed quite a large you know, document around the recovery plan. I'm not suggesting that um, SMEs actually develop an enormous document, but it's really about saying, look, what are the sort of, going across those dynamics that I mentioned earlier around financial capital, human capital, and you know, trust building and relationships for customers, what are the things that we can do to recover? You know, what should we do in the first three months, six months, and a year? Recognizing it's probably going to take 12 months uh, or a little bit more post the coronavirus lockdowns to, to get to some state of normal in our economy. What should I and could I do? Yeah. Now, if that includes things like needing to get more financial support from government sources, plan it now. If it includes getting more support from your bank, talk to your bank now, use the fact that we're in the coronavirus to have those discussions, even although they're uncomfortable now, and look at which customers you can target in a different way and plan it out now. Absolutely, and that example you gave of staying in touch with your staff, I think I'm seeing that a lot of people staying in touch with their customers as well. You see a lot of um, performing artists, for instance, they can't go ahead with scheduled gigs, but instead they're setting up a Facebook event where people can dial in and watch them perform. It's not the same, it's not the same income stream, but it is making sure that audience is still there for you when you can return to a gig, for instance. Um, so, yeah, are you seeing that innovation with people taking their relationships with customers beyond what they were pre-COVID and into a new space? Yeah, I mean, I, and I have. I've seen this, you know, even in, even in local coffee shops and restaurants. So, you know, people are trying to develop more what marketers call that stickiness with customers by altering the dynamic of what they traditionally do. Even high-end restaurants now are doing Deliveroo services, but trying to develop that and maintain that sort of relationship. I mean, I have no doubt that once, when if somebody said, look, COVID has ended, it would be like the end of World War II. Pretty much every family in Australia would go, like mine, will go out for a meal to the best restaurant. You know, people will go to the local bar, they'll have a glass of wine, and they'll say, thank goodness this disaster is over. The challenge and why I'd encourage businesses to do all of these things is because it's likely we will have more of these types of disasters in one way, shape, manner, or form. You know, I have seen, you know, we can learn a lot from the creative arts. We can learn a lot from what artists do to su survive, right? Because it's part of, you know, I guess their DNA, yeah? I mean, you know, many years ago, I helped found a startup business called Marching Elephants. And, you know, it, it grew out of some four, three or four of my students coming to me with a great idea to alter the way social innovative businesses were formed. And they started that business on the back of an envelope with, with no money. But 
they had great creative ideas. They reached out into the into the creative sphere. sphere. So to fund the business in its initial stages, one of the group um, had done, done a photography course. So he brought in some money by taking wedding photographs and so on. Another one had, you know, um, got some real experience in retail. So we built a little model called working with a company called One Night Stand to help generate some revenue for the, for, for the incubator and brought them into the incubator, ultimately to give them low cost access to what we were doing. Um, so it's about identifying, you know, I know at this particular point in time, there's a limited way to make money, yeah, from your traditional business, but there are things that you can do. For example, I've seen people who, own, own a one chap that owns a coffee shop. He's a highly skilled barista who's starting to run, you know, paid $10 and I'll teach everybody how to make the perfect coffee at home uh, and talk about coffee. I've seen people, small businesses offering, you know, that would traditionally offer face-to-face -face psychology services, launching themselves kind of on, on the internet to provide small, smaller, lower cost margin, but services to people. Yeah, it's amazing what's already happening. And when you when you go down to the small scale, that innovation's already happening. What about on a big scale, Andrew? We know that this is globally unprecedented, but have there been smaller scale crises for economies or sectors? And which businesses have you seen come out on top of those and why? Right, well, you know, I'm, I'm kind of an old man, so I've seen lots of crises. Um, you know, I started off my life in financial services and went through the 1987, you know, market crash. Um, then I went through various Southeast Asian crisis, crisis. Then, of course, I went through 2009. Returning to what I said, the organizations who survive, right, are the ones who recognize that they, and have the courage to adapt and change, right? To, you know, you hear stories like go with the flow, don't resist the flow, try and thrive and grow under difficult circumstances. So, you know, if we take the 2009 financial crisis as an example, you know, there were some clear, you know, significant losers. A lot of businesses went to the wall. However, there were a lot of new industries developed. There's the fintech industry, which has been growing pretty much exponentially in different areas because people uh, became upset with big banks. So you want so and these fintech businesses could offer banking services without the burden overhead of, of branches, without the legacy systems that were inherent in them, and offer lower cost loans uh, on on a digital platform. There was the you know the reemergence of you know a different view of e-commerce. You know and in fact the rise of Alibaba is almost like the largest you know, e-commerce platform in the world on the, on the back, ironically, of 2009's financial crisis. So it's about recognizing that, as perhaps to use Scott Morrison's words, we're all in this together and we all have to work together to get to, to, to survive, yeah? And so perhaps be less of a myopic focus that it's just me and reach out and, and ask customers, reach out and say, look, who else do I know in my industry? Who else can I work with to collaborate with to create an innovative solutions to help my business thrive and their business thrive? That's a really good point, Andrew. And that 
that phrase, we're all in this together, I think is probably resonating with a lot of people who are listening and even aren't small business owners, but are the consumers who have seen their local businesses shut up shop for now, who, like you say, really want to rush out into the street when this is all over and get that glass of wine, go to that restaurant. Um, What can consumers be doing now that could help their small businesses to stay afloat in the short and even medium term? Well, there's, there's a few things that we as consumers can do, right? Um, you know, I think there's a number of industries that have just been completely decimated by the COVID crisis, both in the run-up to COVID being in Australia and during the COVID crisis. One is, of course, regional tourism, and of course, tourism in general in Australia, because it was to some degree significantly impacted by the bushfires that we had. Um, I think... One thing we can all do as Australians, and I know I'm from Scotland, but I'm proud to say that I call Australia home, as the song says, and, you know, is buy locally. You know, when we're making those decisions after COVID, when we could go to Thailand, we could go to Bali, and I know those countries are hurting from a tourism perspective, maybe travel for a year and do your, make your first holiday uh, after COVID in Australia and contribute to some local economies. The second thing we can do is, even within the restrictions that we have, yeah? Try and support our local businesses who I know are staying open, even if it's only for takeaway. So for example, when I have to come into the university for work, I always go and buy a coffee from the coffee shop downstairs to try and support that coffee shop who I know has been employing some of our students and is doing it tough, yeah? So try and, you know, it's very easy for us mentally We've not went to some place for a while to go and try somewhere new and then that becomes a new norm. I guess try and hold on to the memories of the places and the things that we've done before the COVID virus. So that after the COVID virus, we keep going back to shopping um, and consuming from the same small businesses. Otherwise, we will not have a small business uh, community. And as you say, we will lose a significant amount of our GDP. That's a really good point. I feel like that's what a lot of people are wanting to do at the moment to use their bottom line and their back pocket to keep these businesses going because, like you say, it's so important to the whole Australian economy. Um, Andrew, have you got anything else to add? Well, I would just like to wrap it up on a positive note. Uh, Returning to what I said earlier, I think people who run small to medium-sized businesses have a lot of courage. I I admire them. I've run several small to medium-sized businesses myself, uh, our family used to own a cattle farm, so I know what it's like to do farming and I know the challenges that you face, right? But, you know, I also recognize that it wasn't easy for me to build that business, that I invested a lot of my emotional energy in it, psychological energy in it, and it became, became part of me. But when we're in, deeply immersed in a traumatic situation, we can often forget that we faced similar situations in the past. We can often forget that we know of people who have faced similar situations in the past and that we can rise above it if we have the march of the willing, so to speak. Uh, and we kind of utilize some of our time, though I recognize we can't utilize all of our time because you know a lot of these owner, uh, owner employees are also looking after children at home because they're getting homeschooling. They're also looking after family members who may be in the health force or the essential services uh, workforce who are having to continue to work through this virus and there's a lot of stress there. But yeah, so it's about building a resilience plan. It's about trying to remain positive. It's about accessing some of the tools that are available for you. 
um, and reaching out perhaps if you're in a regional area to your regional university. We, we at CQU have, uh, I think it's 28 regional campuses. We are still open for business. Our academics are still there. We work regularly in the community on a lot of community initiatives and we have a wealth of skills that we are willing to bring to bear to help businesses in regional communities thrive and grow, not just after the coronavirus, but in general. That is some great advice. I'd say everyone listening has taken away plenty to think about, Andrew. So thank you so much for your time. Um, look forward to getting that small business coffee with you once this is all over. Yes. But in the meantime, that's a call to arms that everyone can get out there and get one themselves. Great to have you on CQ University Commentary. And thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll speak to you soon. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye.